وَأَقْسَمُوا and they swear بِاللَّهِ by Allah جَهْدَ strongest أَيْمَانِهِمْ their oaths they swear by Allah their strongest oaths جَهْد what does جَهْد mean? to do something with full ability and force meaning with maximum capacity whatever that you can afford whatever ability you have you use all of that to do something that is جَهْد alright So, جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ Meaning the strongest oaths that they can possibly swear, they swear those oaths. You know, it's like when you're trying to convince somebody, you use different expressions. Isn't it? Sometimes you'll say, believe me. Right? Or you say things like, trust me. Right? Or you're like, wallahi. Like, I'm telling you. I'm serious. Right? You use different expressions to show to the other person that you're convinced. or that you want to convince them. Right? So, when it comes to swearing oaths, why is it that people swear oaths? To show that they are truthful. They want to convince someone. Now, if you swear once, by Allah, I did this. Or by Allah, I never did this. Hmm? It should be sufficient, right? But when you're saying that again and again and again, then what does it mean? That you cannot emphasize enough. Right? You cannot emphasize enough. And why is it that you find a need to keep emphasizing? Because you sense denial. Right? You sense that the other person doesn't believe you, doesn't trust you. Or you feel like your words are not strong enough. So you need to say more and more and more and more. Right? But the thing is that who is it that needs to talk a lot? Or who is it that needs to... emphasize so much someone whose actions are lacking right like for example if a woman says to their husband i really love you seriously i do and then sending messages and cute videos or something like that you know i really love you showing their love but then when the husband says can i get lunch today when i go to work can you pack my lunch in the morning i'm too tired man And then all day long, one message every hour, I love you. And then when he comes home, she's in pajamas. Right? Or there's no dinner. Can you can you bring some food, please? Why is it that there's a storm of messages? Why? Because she knows he's going to be upset. Right? So she's trying to make up for that anger through those cheesy messages. Right? So, أَقْسَمُ بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ They swear... By Allah, their strongest possible oaths. Ayman is a plural of yameen. What is it that they're trying to say? That in amartahum. Surely if you order them, you give them one command, layakhrujun. Surely they will definitely go with you. What does it mean by that? That if you order them to go for a battle, they will go with you. They will definitely go. They say this over and over again and they swear by Allah. Why do they have to say that? Because they didn't go with you previously. They didn't go with you last time. You see the Prophet ﷺ when he did hijrah to Medina, you know, we only learn about three or four major battles. Battle of Badr, Battle of Uhud, Battle of the Trench, Battle of Khaybar, and boom, Fath Makkah. But you know what? It's not just these five things that happened in those ten years. There's many more. Many Many more. You know, between Uhud and Khandaq, there were about 18 or 19 saraya expeditions that the Prophet ﷺ sent. 
Just imagine, 18 or 19, or between Khandaq and Khaybar, either of the two. Either between Khandaq and Khaybar, trench and Khaybar, they were about 18 or 19, or between Uhud and Khandaq, they were about 18 or 19, either of these two. So the point here is that there were so many expeditions that the Prophet ﷺ had to go to himself, or if he didn't go, he had to send Sahaba. Why? Because the enemy was constantly attacking, constantly coming against them. So many problems every other day. It's as though Muslims couldn't breathe. I mean, when you study Sirah in detail, you see almost every month there is an expedition, or there is some major incident. Or in one return journey, so many problems came up. So many things happened. You know, Ghazwa Banu Mustaliq. The Prophet ﷺ was returning from there. And what happened? There was no actual battle, but when the Muslims were there, we learned that one of the Muslims, he was guarding the Muslim army at night, and somebody shot him, and he bled. Then when the Muslims are returning, what happens? All the Muslims are tired. They find any tree, any place where they could find shade, and they're resting. And what happens? A random man comes in, he sees, oh, these are Muslims. He finds the Prophet ﷺ resting. He takes his sword and he says, who's going to save you from me? You know that incident? It happened. Alright, now the Muslims are coming back. And then what happens? Abdullah bin Ubay starts a big fitna. Alright, there was a big fight in the Muslims. And he said that, you know what, when we go to Medina, the one with honor is going to expel the one who doesn't have honor. So basically he's saying, I'm going to go and take over Medina and expel the Muslims from here. So this was one big problem that happened. Now, as the Muslims are reaching, what happens? Aisha radiallahu anha gets left behind. And then when they reach Medina, then what happens? The incident of ifk. One whole month, the Prophet ﷺ, he's in stress. You see how the problems were just never ending? We think Medina was just victory on victory. You know, Badr, wow. Uhud, yes, light loss, but then, you know, Muslims made up for it. But between those victories were so many challenges, so many expeditions. The Muslims barely returned from Uhud that they had to pursue the enemy, right? All the way up to Hamra al-Asad. Wounded, injured, the Muslims had to go. They come back from Khandaq and they have to go to Banu Quraidah. Isn't that so? So the Muslims, the true believers, what was their way? Every time the Prophet said, get ready, they would get ready and go. Samirna wa atarna. What would the hypocrites do? Hide. Go and hide. Oh, really? The Muslims left? Oh, I didn't know. Too bad. Maybe I'll go next time. Oh, Ya Rasulullah, I swear I will go next time. Aqsamu billahi jahda aymanihim That they will definitely go next time. They will definitely go next time. You know Ali radiallahu anhu, something so beautiful about him. We learn that the battle of Khaybar, right? the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ made an announcement, 1700 Muslims got ready and they left within days. Alright? Now Ali radiallahu anhu, he was suffering from some eye problem. His eyes were hurting. Have you ever had that? Like pink eye or something like that? It happens, right? And it's very painful. Right? First of all, it's embarrassing to go in front of people like that. And secondly, it's very painful. Because it's your eyes. So Ali radiallahu anhu did not go for Khaybar. Alright? He didn't go with the Muslims. Then what happened? That he thought to himself, how can I stay behind when the Messenger ﷺ has gone? It doesn't matter. Forget about my eye condition. I'll go. So he joined the Muslims later on. When he joined the Muslims, what happened? They had besieged a particular fortress and they weren't able to conquer it. 
And the Muslims were getting a little demoralized. And the Prophet ﷺ said, tomorrow morning I'm going to give this flag to somebody who loves Allah and His Messenger, and Allah and His Messenger love him too. So all night long the Sahaba were like, it's gonna be me, it's gonna be me. I love Allah, I love the Messenger ﷺ. So next morning, everybody comes. I'm here, I'm here for the flag. And what happened? He didn't give it to anybody. And he said, where is Ali? And everybody said, oh, he's resting because his eyes are hurting. The Prophet ﷺ said, call him. They brought him. He came. And the Prophet ﷺ gave him the flag. And Ali anhu, his eyes were hurting, right? So the Prophet ﷺ put his blessed saliva on the eyes and he prayed for him and his eyes were perfectly fine. And Ali anhu, he was so confident and excited and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I will fight these people until they become like me. Meaning until they become like us. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ said, don't be hasty. When you go, invite them to Allah. Invite them to Allah. For by Allah, if Allah guides even one person through you, that is better for you than red camels. So Ali anhu he went and fought them and he conquered the fortress. Imagine, Ali anhu his eyes were hurting. And he made that journey through the desert. When you're walking outside, the stuff goes into your eyes. Isn't it? goes into your eyes. If they're already hurting, imagine being in that state. But he went. This is who? The true believer who will go out in the way of Allah, light or heavy, in pain or in ease. He will go because he loves Allah and His Messenger. When you love something, you do it. Even if it's hard on you. Even if it's difficult on you. You make time for it. You will sacrifice your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. You will walk on your hurting feet through the mall. You will walk, walk, walk. Why? Because you love being there. Don't you? We do that all the time. But what is the way of those who have nifaq? They try to make up for their actions with what? With words. Their actions are lacking, so they try to make up for that lacking how? With their words. أَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَئِنْ أَمَرْتَهُمْ لَيَخْرُجُونَ Allah says, قُلْ tell them لَا تُقْسِمُوا you don't need to swear oaths. Why? Because ta'atun ma'rufa. Ta'a, obedience, it is ma'rufa, it is well known. Meaning it's known what obedience is. What is obedience? What is obedience? Somebody asks you, bring water, and you say, okay, I will bring you water. <laughs> and you just smile at them. And they said, uh, now please. Okay, I will do it. Five minutes go by. Uh, can you tell me where the water is? I'll get it for you. You sit here. May I have it please? Yeah, I'll get it. And you don't move at all. Come on. You're not going to do it. Is that ta'a? What is ta'a? It's ma'rufa. It's known. It's known what obedience actually is. It's not words. What is ta'a? It's action. Ta'atun ma'rufa. Or what this means is, ta'atun meaning your ta'a is known. Meaning, it's known what kind of obedience you do. You say you're going to do it, but you don't actually do it. You swear oaths, but when the time comes to go, you don't really go with the Muslims. إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ Indeed, Allah is fully aware of whatever that you do. We can hide from people, we can deceive them with our words, but Allah knows. What do we see over here? There's some people who talk a lot, and there's some people who do a lot. People who talk a lot, they can't do much. Whether it is talking over text messages or WhatsApp or 
Skype or whatever thing that's out there today, people who talk a lot, they cannot do much. Because if we want to do much, then we have to minimize our talking. We have to minimize our talking. Because we only have limited amount of time, right? Either we invest that in talking and chatting, or we invest that in doing something. So we have two options. Either talk and talk and talk, or do. قُلْ Say, أَطِيعُ اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُ الرَّسُولُ Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Prove it. You say that you're going to do it, now do it. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا But if you turn away, the command is clear, obey Allah and the Messenger. But if you turn away, then فَإِنَّمَا Then indeed not, but عَلَيْهِ On him, on who? On the Messenger wasallam. مَا حُمِّلَ That which he has been made to carry. What is it that the Messenger has been made to carry? His responsibility. And what is the responsibility of the Messenger? Convey. On him is the responsibility of what he has been charged with. Meaning he will be questioned about whether he conveyed or not. وَعَلَيْكُمْ And upon you is مَا that which حُمِّلْتُمْ You have been made to carry. And what is it that we have been made to carry? What is our responsibility? Obedience. The Messenger's responsibility is to convey. Our responsibility is to obey. The Messenger will be asked if he conveyed or not. And what are we going to be asked about? What are we going to be asked about? Whether we did or not. وَإِن تُطِعُوهُ If you obey him. Obey who? The Messenger wasallam. Then تَهْتَدُوا Then you are rightly guided. If you obey the leader, if you obey the Messenger, then you are rightly guided. Which means that if we do not obey the Messenger, then are we rightly guided? Are we on Surat al-Mustaqim? Are we on Huda? We're not. So what is the condition for being rightly guided? When is a person rightly guided? What's the sign that yes, this person is on Hidayah? He's obeying the Messenger mubin, And not upon the Messenger is except, meaning the duty to convey clearly. The messenger's job is simply to convey. فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ الْبَلَاغُ وَعَلَيْنَا الْحِسَابِ So what do we learn from this ayah? What do we learn from this ayah? That we have to be concerned about what we have to do. And what is that? Obedience. And if we refuse to obey, then who are we harming? Only ourselves. We're not causing any harm to Allah or to His messenger or to the deen of Islam. We're only harming ourselves. وَعَدَ اللَّهُ But if a person chooses to obey, then what will happen? Allah has promised الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ Those who believe among you. وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And those who do righteous deeds. What is عَمُلْ صَالِح? Actions, right? Obedience. So those who believe and those who do righteous deeds, Allah has made a promise to them. And remember, Allah does not break His promise. What is the promise that Allah has made the righteous obedient servants? that لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ Surely He will definitely give them khilafa on earth. What does it mean by khilafa? Khilafa is to come in succession, right? That the previous one is now gone and now you have taken their place. You understand? This is khilafa. So Allah will definitely give them succession on earth, meaning succession in authority. Allah will give them authority. 
Hama just as istakhlafa. He made successors. Who? Alladina min qablihim. Those before them. So for example, before the Prophet ﷺ, who is it that was given leadership, authority in deen and in dunya? Look at Dawood ﷺ. Sulaiman ﷺ. وَلَا And surely he will definitely establish from the word tamkeen, mim kafnoon, makana. To give stability, to give firmness. Allah will give stability to who? Lahum to them. In what? Deenahum in their religion. Meaning he will make their deen established. So that they will be able to observe the deen. Alladhi which? Which deen? Irtada lahum. He has approved for them. The deen that Allah has liked for us. And what is that deen? The deen of Islam. وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا and Allah has also promised them that وَلَا يُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ Surely He will definitely change for them. مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ After their fear, amnan Peace. Now they're in fear. Allah says that He has promised that He will replace that fear with security. يَعْبُدُونَنِي They will worship me. لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِشَيْئًا They will not associate with me any partner. وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ And whoever disbelieves after that, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Then it is those who are sinful, those who cross limits. What do we learn from this? See, life is tough. But for the believer, it is even more tough. Why? Because of his deen. She wants to wear the hijab, he wants to pray, they want to take a riba-free loan. Whatever it is, it's tough. Finding halal options is difficult. When you're hungry, you want that chicken sandwich, but can't have it. Right? That poutine looks so good, but it's got pork in it. Right? I mean, when you go to New York Fries, you see that poutine? I have to look away from it. Don't even look at it. Braised meat itself is kind of attractive. But then, of course, pork, no way, you don't want it. But it's haram. You don't have a halal option there. Right? So it's tougher to find more halal options. So what does Allah say here? He comforts the believers. That yes, you're suffering loss, but this loss is temporary. Why? Because even in this dunya, Allah will grant you success. Allah will grant you authority. I mean, look at the Sahaba, how much they suffered in Makkah, how much they suffered through the years in Medina. But what happened? Allah granted them victory upon victory. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. Allah gave Muslims victory after victory, but that came when? When? After so much difficulty. So Allah has made this promise to the believers that He will certainly give them authority. He will give them freedom. He will give them victory just as He gave victory to the righteous before. Look at the example of Bani Israel. Weren't they enslaved? Weren't they tortured? Did Allah rescue them? He did, right? What happened? Did they have freedom afterwards? Yes. Did they have success? Yes. Worldly success? Yes, they did. What else do we see here? That Allah will give them Give the deen. Allah will establish the deen so that they can easily practice the deen. This is Allah's promise. He will make following the deen easier. Initially it will be difficult, but eventually it will become easier. What else is it that Allah has promised? That He will replace the fear with security. Right now, you mentioned Islam somewhere even. It's frightening. But don't worry, it will become easy. It will become easy. Now this is at a community level, right? What this ayah is talking about, about the Muslim community. But we see that even at an individual level, what happens? Initially it's difficult, right? You have to fight almost every day. You have to struggle almost every day. I remember once a sister told me that every time she puts on a hijab, hijab, 
We're not talking about niqab, hijab. Her husband sits by the door. He says, I'm not leaving until you take that off. What is she meant to do? Kids are watching. They're getting late. The husband is sitting. I'm not leaving until you take that off. Can you imagine the fear in her heart? Can you imagine that lack of freedom? Can you imagine that constriction that is being put on her? But she said, I did not give up. I also became firm. Polite, but firm. And what happened? Now she wears an abaya. And her husband's cool with it. He's okay with it. Initially it's difficult. You feel like you're going to die. You feel like you cannot live. Be firm. Be firm. Be polite, but firm about your principles. Allah will create ease. Even here in this life. Because look at the ayah, fil ard. It's not talking about Jannah. Jannah definitely. But in dunya also, Allah will create ease. Initially it will be difficult. And then you will find it easier. And you know this thing about replacing fear with security? Look at the fear that the Sahaba lived in. You know when they migrated to Medina, they said we slept with weapons and we woke up with weapons. What does that mean? That when we slept, we had our swords or something with us. And when we woke up, we still had them, holding on to them. Imagine the state of their fear. Still holding their sword when they wake up. They didn't let go of it even in their sleep. This is the fear that they lived in. And then eventually what happened? So much peace that a woman could travel from far off distant place, come to Makkah, do tawaf, and go back. Safety, security. Allah gave it to them. This is why Allah says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَآتُ الزَّكَاةِ Establish prayer, give zakah, وَأَطِيعُ الرَّسُولِ Obey the messenger, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ So then you may be shown mercy. I mean, do something to get Allah's mercy. We want Allah's mercy without even doing anything. Right? I'm not gonna wear this, I'm not gonna do this. When Allah will make it easy for me, then I will do it. Well, ease will only come once we start working. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ لا تحسبن الذين كفروا. Then Allah says, never think that those who disbelieve مُعْجِزِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They will cause failure to Allah. No way. They're not gonna last very long. They can never cause failure to Allah فِي الْأَرْضِ in the earth. How long will they resist? وَمَأْوَاهُمُ النَّارِ Their abode is the fire. وَلَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ What a terrible destination it is. You see, Khalid ibn Walid رضي الله عنه, he resisted Islam for so long. Remember, he is the one who kind of turn the victory of Muslims into defeat at the battle of Uhud. Isn't it? Amr bin As radiallahu anhu, he went to Abyssinia to get the Muslims back. And what happened after Sulh Hudaybiyah, after the treaty of Hudaybiyah? Amr bin As, he said, I left Makkah, I went to Abyssinia. I said, you know what? Islam is going to be dominant. I better go from here because if I stay, I'm going to be finished. I can't resist Islam anymore. So he said he went to Abyssinia and he was with Najashi, he was talking to him when a Muslim man came. And he asked Najashi, can I kill this guy? I can't kill him in Arabia, but can I kill him here? Because I hate him for his Islam. And Najashi started doing da'wah to him. And Amr bin al-As embraced Islam at the hands of a Najashi. Khalid bin Walid, what happened with him? He also, at Sulh Hudaybiyah, he saw the Muslims praying. He tried to attack them, he failed. He couldn't harm them. And he said, I knew it, that Islam was going to be dominant. So he said, I felt that I should go and embrace Islam. He said he went to some of his friends, Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl, and Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl called Abu Sufyan and everybody, and everybody's coming with their swords, and they said, if you embrace Islam, you're going to get this. So that same night, Khalid bin Walid said, that's it, I left Makkah, and I went to Medina to embrace Islam. He embraced Islam. So the thing is, that the forces of kufr, the forces of disobedience to Allah, they cannot stand very long. 
they cannot stand very long. It's up to us. Which side do we choose? Do we want to be of the party of Allah? Or do we want to be on the other side? It's difficult to obey Allah. But Allah has promised victory. Allah has promised ease. Believe in His promises and take the leap. Don't wait any longer. Take that leap. Allah will give faith. He will give confidence. He will give the ability. And He will make it easier. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَأَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَإِنْ أَمَرْتَهُمْ لَيَخْرُجُونَ قُلْ لَا تُقْسِمُوا طَاعَةٌ مَعْرُوفَةٌ إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ قُلْ أَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْهِمَا حُمِّلَ وَعَلَيْكُمْ مَا حُمِّلْتُمْ وَإِن تُطِيعُوهُ تَهْتَدُوا وَمَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ الْمُبِينُ وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلَفَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمْ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمُ الَّذِي ارْتَضَى لَهُمْ وَلَيُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ لا تحسبن الذين كفروا معجزين في الأرض ومأواهم النار ولبئس المصير سبحانك اللهم بحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته